you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today on the show, I welcome two incredible writers and artists. They go by the monikers Fortunus Games and Tete de Punk. Fortunus Games is the host of the podcast, The Nuts and Bolts of Writing, as well as the creator of the graphic novels, Sam in New York and The Book of Joel. These are available for free, and I'll link these in the description. Tete de Punk is a writer who has an epic novel in the works called 70 Fierce Years. The two have an ongoing conversation about the creative process, and their online presence is something I've really been enjoying these past few months. Okay, let's get to it and talk with Fortunus Games and Tete de Punk on the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. Thanks for listening. excited to have um, two artists, two writers on the show today. We have uh, Fortunate Games and then, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I, you just told me and I'm going to mess it up again. So I'm just going to have you say your name for us. <laughs> uh, Tete de Punk. Tete de Punk. <laughs> yes. Love, love the name. So I, that's what intrigued me initially um, when, um, when you reached out. I love um, a moniker. I love a good moniker that kind of like um, establishes a creative identity, um, and you two have done that. So I guess um, we were talking just before we started recording um, how you how you two met. You're both very active in the creative community. Um, I, I believe our mutual friend C.E. Hoffman is how we connected here, yes. um, which I'm a big fan um, of hers. So yeah, go ahead and tell us, you know, just uh, what you're up to these days. I know... Um, I started the podcast during the pandemic. I had a website before that, but I was kind of eager to talk about um, writing and art with um, people because we were all kind of locked in. So um, I'm imagining that may have been the case with you two, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Go ahead. Tell me, tell me your, your story. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to go first? Uh Fortunate. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> All right. So we met, um, I I think it was like late 2015, technically. Like oh, wow. we didn't really talk a lot back then, but I believe Tete commented or followed on followed me, I think. And then she said that she was a big fan of my work. And I thanked her and I tried to reach out to her, but she was not really active on social media back then. So it took her a while um to get back to me and then we started talking more on tumblr where she became more active than on deviant art and that was where we started talking more in real time and that's how we started talking more about our characters in more detail and also um she actually started taking interest in my characters because she saw a picture of one of my old characters who i don't draw anymore as a cossack yeah. <laughs> and one of her um core interests is russian history especially southern russian and ukrainian history so the cossacks play, play a large role in that region and her book 70 fierce years is also about a cossack so yeah so that's how she first you know, saw my art and then she started reaching out to me because she saw that I was also interested in Russian history and was also at the time writing about Russian characters. 
Yes, yes. It. Um, I believe it was. I believe it was December 2015. I first saw first saw your work on DeviantArt. It was your character Mitya. He was like in the, if you will, like the standard Cossack, which is just like the the, the Kuban host uh, version of Cossack, because um, Cossacks are divided into different hosts or ethnic groups. And I was really intrigued with your artwork. I love the oil rich quality of your artwork. Um, but I wasn't really motivated on DeviantArt that much. I was just mostly meandering around with just, you know, graphite pencil drawings that weren't very skilled or learned or very, they were very stiff. And then we began to talk more on Tumblr. Um, and then after a while, getting more invested in the stories of your work and your characters, that prompted me to be more serious about my characters. And I began to post and share more and I had quite a bit of a, a rough journey of getting the characters right and, and learning their true story. And even that's still a progress. And you really helped me with that. You also helped me to learn the structures and mechanics of writing better, um, as well as improving my art and, you know, just giving me a more cohesive structure to work with. Because it's one thing to have creative energy, but it's another to place that creative energy in a structure and have the the discipline to continue improving it. Yeah, that's one thing I thought um, very very cool and very brave. Just looking over, I love that you have uh, seventy fierce years. Which so that that's your novel that you've been working on, and it's a novel in progress. So it's like this is a world <laughs> that's like that's new to me. Seeing people. Um, and then and and then tapas tapas is that what it's called where you have your work uploaded to? I have a I, I yes ta, uh, tapas is okay. where I have a very rough rough unedited version, and a lot of major things well not major things but a lot of noticeable things will be changed in the final product than what is seen on tapas. But the general gist, especially the first chronological chapters, you know, remain pretty much intact. And I, yeah, I just thought that was so cool. Um, and like I said, this this is all new to me having like this novel in progress, um, and it, it it hooked me because like you said in the in the op the prologue I believe where it's like this is like a scale a very scaled down version things are um, kind of um, sense and not sent you didn't use the word censored but like kind of you know trying to keep sanitize there you yeah. go sanitize, sanitize. Better. I love that yeah sanitize for tapas because. <laughs> Tapas are going to be young people there sure. and, yeah. you know, authentic history is just very, uh, it can be very terrifying. <laughs> and for example, say a 17 year old girl who's used to reading fantasy stumbles upon this and suddenly sees a very graphic war scene with the intense broken psychology of something that's equivalent to all quiet on the Western front. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to get banned by the Tapas admins or I'm just going to you know, the, the, I feel sorry for the 16 year old girl reading that. I don't know if she's <laughs> prepared for all quiet in the Western front, which is what a lot of 70 fierce years is like. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's so great that you're, you're able to, you know, um, show, show your work in it. Like, I think I'm really intrigued about this whole process because, um, fortunate you're on, you're on the, that platform as well, um, mm -hmm. with your, with your graphic novels and, I, I just think it's so cool. You get like a real time amount of feedback. You see the you see how many people are viewing um, your work, which has got to I would think help you know 
inspire you to keep going because you have this, you already have an audience, um, you know, and people are, you know, I'm sure you get feedback from people or, or fans. So I would imagine it's very cool to kind of have that um, playing out as you're creating something. Um, and then you, yeah, you, of course you have your finished product, which is um, not sanitized and for, for anyone <laughs> yeah, who wants yeah. to go out and, and get it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I think that's so great. So, um, I, I am just curious, like when, so this platform, like I said, I'm not familiar. I hadn't been familiar with it and maybe I'm just living in a cave, but I, I thought it was, um, unless I'm looking at the dates wrong, this is like during the pandemic that you started uploading, um, chapters to, to the site. Am, am I, mm-hmm. am I correct in yes. that? Okay. Yes. 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 It started in 2021. I mean, for me and Imelda sort of a older veteran on tapas. She's the one that got yes. me into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started in 2020. I, I did try to do some stuff before the pandemic, but it, it never succeeded beyond the first 10 pages because I wasn't very disciplined back then. And also didn't have a clear vision of what I wanted to do. So do you, do you think like the, that platform itself helped you kind of get a better routine down um, and, and just, you know, put up stuff on a more consistent basis and work on your projects on a more regular basis and, and, you know, get some headway. I know like I'm writing a book right now and it's just, you know, it it comes in spurts and then it and then it slows down and it dies and it's frustrating and you read you you go back and edit and you hate what you what you wrote uh but you're you're just kind of locked into your own head and during that process so um i'm just really curious about this itself did it it help you or did it did it kind of get in the way of the creative process i'm just really curious about that do you want me to go first or yes, do you want to if, go if, first, if you want to, I, I'm going to remin- I'm going to ruminate over my answer <laughs> <laughs> while you answer. <laughs> so I think it's a double edged sword. I mean, for me at the beginning, definitely it helped me um, become more motivated because, you know, I was getting all these comments and I was like, wow, people actually do want to learn more about my characters and my story. Because if you just write a story you know, in the confines of your own room or in your head or, you know, just on a Google Doc that no one sees, you're not going to get feedback. And you're also not going to, you sometimes feel discouraged because no one's reading this, but you're writing like 100, 200, 300 pages. And you wonder if it's, you know, it's going to have any impact on anyone who reads it. But when you're on tapas, you get the instant gratification of people commenting every day or every week. And, you know, you're really motivated to do more and more. So yes, that can really help you start creating more, especially, you know, before, I mean, especially for a creator who, you know, struggles with creating stuff sometimes for myself, for example, I struggled to create coherent narratives before joining Tapas because what I did was just draw pictures of the characters that were in my head and maybe like write one paragraph in the description about the character. But it was never a coherent story. It was just like all these separate ideas I had about different characters. And only people who knew me well and talked to me would understand what all these puzzle pieces amount to when put together. I think think for me, it was also a very similar process. I think for me, Tapas, it was a double-edged sword. On one hand, just as Fortunus Games described, 
you're not alone on your computer with a lonely Google Doc, or in my case, I had to break it up into five Google Docs because Google Doc kept crashing because <laughs> it can't handle 900 pages. Um, uh, but that's because I have an enlarged font because I, it's not that I have dyslexia, but if something's too small, my brain gets confused and I have to have uh, larger print like an old grandma. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Tapas gave me, it also gave me that drive to consistently create something and have a schedule and keep creating every day in order to keep up with a buffer. But at the same time, it began to hinder me late of last year because I felt like I was trying to cater or pander to an audience that specifically wanted one thing and did not, was not prepared for the ugly realities or the the more raw humanity of the actual story and the character's journey. But I do owe so much credit to Tapas for giving me, you know, an audience and for really prompting me to be more disciplined and consistent with creating and making things in, in chronological order. Cause I, I tend to just work in spurts, but now I'm trying to get away from that and consistently at least write anywhere from 250 to 500 words a day. I haven't done that over the holidays, but I'm still, I'm hoping this new year I can start on that again. That's mm -hmm. great. Um, I think one just, just popped into my head. I, I use a thing um, it's called an alpha smart and they don't even, they, I don't know if you've heard of them. They don't make them anymore. These were um, created for, I'm just going to grab it and show you. It'll make it, it'll make more sense. Hold on one second. For sure. Okay. So I'll put, I'll put a picture up. I'll post it on Instagram for people who are uh, listening, but this is a little thing. It was designed for um, specifically for it was an education. So like kids with um, like they had a hard time, like physically writing. So, and it only, it only um, will put down four lines at a time and you can create a massive document. So this is what I do a lot of my writing on when I just want to like not get distracted. And then you can just plug it right into your computer and it dumps it all out into a Google doc or whatever. But anyways, that just made me think of like, we all kind of have our like specific way of creating. And I'm always like, I'm always really interested because how our brains work, you know, it's, it's helpful when we have our own specific uh, process like that, but alpha smart, start making more of these or come back. I don't know where you went, but they're, they're incredible. I love, I love the alpha <clears throat> smart. <laughs> That's uh, very fascinating. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, yeah. So I love the 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 concept of um setting a daily goal um you know because it, it is surprising how much you can you can really create if you do set that of like 250 to 500 100 words like very manageable if you sit down i mean it's hard but it's manageable in a day because you know we all have jobs and other commitments True. that we got to do that can like deplete us uh so I, I love having the, the goal of working on something every day or most days. Uh, and then, you know, over several weeks or months, you really come up with something that, you know, you don't remember what you wrote, you know, four months ago and you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. Or I hate that. I don't know, but it's like either way you're doing it. Uh, I think that's such an inspiration to people who are waiting for that perfect moment 
to start creating because there never is that perfect moment. You can wait That's forever if you, if you do that. Exactly. Um, I am so impressed with um, the graphic novels. So I really got to dig into these because uh, there's a lot there. And so I, <laughs> I was looking over the book of Joel the last couple of weeks and um, yeah, you just had like a like floodgates of of work coming out of you during this pandemic period. I was I, like, so amazing. So I would love to hear, um, Fortunate games, your, your process of, of, um, creating, you know, anything you want to talk about, but specifically the book of Joel is what I kind of latched onto. That's really interesting because, you know, as me and Tete always say, most people don't latch on to the book of Joel. They usually no, they attach don't. themselves to, to Sam's story. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Tete has a few uh, theories about that. I think it's because Sam seems he's a more outgoing person mm -hmm. and there's more events in his story. And it's like an autobiography. So people mm -hmm. can more easily immerse themselves into that. As Tete said, it's more of a traditional story narrative. Yes. Right? With the beginning, a middle, and, and the end. And there's more of a, a historical aesthetic, and especially on a platform like Tapas, I don't know, anybody who senses that, you know, aesthetic, it's like, I don't know, everyone everyone just instantly latches to it. It's, it's blood in the water, you know, because people aim for that because it's easier for them to digest and process it. But, you know, honestly, I, as much as I love both the works, the Book of Joel is is just astounding. And I want everybody to be astounded by it. It's it's a modern masterpiece. It yeah, really it, it's so, I mean, I was, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to put links to everything um, on the site. I encourage people to check out, you know, all of this, but um, it is always, I, I think we, yeah, of course we gravitate towards things that kind of like bring us in as a, as a, as a consumer I hate that word, but that's what, you know, that's what I feel True. like I'm consuming <laughs> yeah. this, but, but you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. So I, I would just love to hear like the process because there is so much of it. Um, like the book of Joel is, is pretty, you know, epic. So I am just amazed. Like you, you obviously have like other responsibilities. Like how do you manage creating uh, such a, a cohesive body of work? And, and, I mean, to me, like in a very rapid um you know, fashion? Um, I think it's because it was a mixture of the things like during the pandemic. <clears throat> sorry about that. I don't know why my, my throat's really being clogged up this evening, <laughs> but um, so during the pandemic, um, I was mostly working from home. And during that time in 2020 to 2021, I did not really have a steady job. Um, I was mostly just doing document review because um, I was uh, not not freshly graduated, but recently graduated lawyer with no mm. experience. And also, I did not get good marks in law school or do my <laughs> due diligence of studying and making connections because I thought I made the wrong choice. So I was in a part of my life where I didn't really feel like I had any goals. I just had, you know, these random jobs that came maybe like once a month for two weeks. And then the next two weeks would be absolutely nothing at all. So I would just use those two weeks to start working on my personal projects. 
And, you know, this included the book of Joel, which is a visual narrative about someone who is very similar to myself in many ways, you know, someone who makes a lot of boundaries and restrictions on himself because of his complexes. And I wanted to explore this in fiction because we don't usually see this. As Tete says, most stories involve a protagonist dealing with external um, limitations or external barriers. You know, Sam, for example, um, would be dealing with his parents, not wanting him to leave law school because he doesn't think it's a good career for himself, but his parents think it's a good career for him. So that's an external barrier. But Joel has all these other barriers he places on himself because he thinks that a lot of things are pointless. He convinces himself that a lot of things are pointless because he doesn't want to face disappointment or want to admit he's wrong because he mm. wants to so badly believe that things aren't really worth anything so he could feel better about not achieving certain things. I relate to that. I mean, I get, I get that. I think that's maybe, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Like, I, I, are you, this is a, this is what you're still working on this too, right? You're still continuing to put out, um, episodes or i forget what you what they're called specifically on the site but um is this kind of like a long-term project you're just like do you have like an over like an arc that you're working with or is it just gonna you're just gonna keep making it until you're you feel like you've done enough i think the latter and right now <laughs> i've been taking a break because i think it's starting to catch up to me like last year i finally managed to get somewhat of a full-time job but it's like it's up to me i get to do, do how much i want but of mm -hmm. course i end up taking a lot you know to to pay the bills and you know that that adds up over time like at the beginning i was able to work for like eight hours a day and then after dinner i would just be you know focusing on the book of joel and sam new york and drawing for like two or three hours every night mm -hmm. but after like a year and like half a year of that i just got really really tired so starting in last year's november i just started to take a break you know just fo i'm just focusing on work and planning ahead in my own personal life right now and i'm still thinking about my characters but you know i'm still resting from that burnout yeah no i i i totally get that um as well uh where so where are you where are you two based i'm curious so i live in salt lake city uh utah where where do you two live I live in a very small town in central Pennsylvania. It's Lewistown, and we're considered borderline hillbillies. Our only saving <laughs> grace is that State College and the Penn State football is about 35 miles away over the mountain. But everything else is – there's a lot I love about it, but then there's a lot I don't like. Mm -hmm. It's It's like a cross between – 1987's movie witness with harrison ford <laughs> and then there's there's heavy elements of a very low budget deliverance <laughs> that's my area that's, that's where scary. i'm based it is scary it's frightening come come to mifflin county it's uh it's equally terrifying and i don't know what's more terrifying the the people and their prejudices or the litter they leave in the woods <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm intrigued i'm intrigued that sounds like a yeah that sounds like a place the, <laughs> the sociologist yeah, yeah. wants to jump yes, in on that right exactly. yes <laughs> ecology psychology observations everywhere yes yeah, so much you get yeah. this whiplash of you know here's this tranquilic idyllic farmland and it's like witness surrounded by many amish and mennonites and then you get you know just the most wildest 
violent people and then you've got pampered Karens and it's mm-hmm. all just an interesting map. You get to really see a the full fabric of a weird Americana of the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, what about, what about you? So you're, you finished up law school, um, Fortunus games. And um, so where are you currently living and working? Oh, I'm, I'm living in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada, where um, Tete has visited me, um, you know, back in September. Nice. So I don't really know how to quite describe it. It's just another suburb full, fill, filled with uh, houses that look pretty much the same. <laughs> and, hey, that's most yeah, places. And we know. have people from all over the world. We have, you know, a lot of people from um, Iran. We have a lot of people from China, Hong Kong, the Philippines. You know, you, when you walk outside, you see basically the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, then the, the next vacation, you got to go down to Pennsylvania and see, right? And, yes. and do a graphic novel about that. <laughs> <laughs> And don't forget Christian nationalists. Yes. yes. There's a oh lot of my them. God. Yes. So let me, uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So the Christian nationalist movement, um, you, you were homeschooled and I, I did listen to that interview. Um, but for, you know, our, our listeners today, um, I, I guess maybe we could connect it to, cause yeah, it, it, there's a lot there to unpack. So there's a um, lot. I, I, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to include a link to that interview um, for more like in depth. But I I'm really curious about this upbringing connected to kind of like your your interest in writing. Like, was this something that was delayed because of the the high control um, uh, tendencies of this group that you grew up in the evangelicals um yeah so i'm just curious did did you find a way to express um like your writing even you know even though you were in this or did did that kind of get squashed and then when you kind of came out of this uh you like oh i there's all these things that i don't know about that i want to learn about and that i want to do uh yeah so i'm very curious about that I guess to start off with, yes, I would have to say it was a mixture of both. Um, growing up in the Christian nationalist movement with the heavy evangelicals that became very prominent during the late 80s, early 90s, um, it was a truly, it, it's truly terrifying because it's it's quiet, it's subtle, and it's so ingrained in part of the, you know, good old American fashion values. And I don't want anybody to accuse me of anything, but the thing is, it, it's such a dangerous mindset because it leans not only towards totalitarian control of your child and your family within that very toxic nuclear setup, but you are essentially cramming and, and, and squashing a child to fit in the exact mold that you want them to. And I think for me, um, writing wasn't necessarily encouraged, but it it wasn't, it wasn't discouraged overall. It it was to a degree. Um, my, my father did not approve of that. Uh, he would prefer to just have me study, which is just being indoctrinated by subpar materials that, you know, was heavily religious and promoted many unsound beliefs, such as the whole rejection of evolution, um, white Christian nationalism, which is kind of a, 
which is kind of a religious form, I'll be very honest, of, a, of some sort of race racist fascism that I could compare to kind of a watered down, uh, sanitized neo-Nazism, which it is essentially. I'm not afraid to say it. That is what it is. And um, I, I, I began to write privately. Um, I would find journals or notebooks and things like that and I would you know scribble in those and and ironically the the first things I did were um fan fictions Mm -hmm. and I'm eight years old I'm writing fan fictions I would write these weird crossovers like the Powerpuff Girls meet Robin Hood or (laughs) Cinderella instead of having the boring Prince Charming like in the Disney version because I loved Cinderella but I hated her prince so I thought I don't know what if what if she met John Rambo from the Rambo series because that that that's much more he could get her out of that 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 tower you know you know just I mean he goes in there with the machine gun you know definitely maybe yeah. Tremaine isn't going to say anything you know <laughs> and I I wrote these fan fictions at at age eight and I just began writing more of them and then I wanted to write original stories I wanted to write things that were kind of based on animated stories because I'm kind of a huge Disney and DreamWorks fan, kind of like the early DreamWorks. Now I don't know what quite to make of DreamWorks now with their franchises. Mm. Um, Some are good, some are uh, not my cup of tea, but um, I I really didn't start to write seriously until I got to use a computer and I was 18, 19 at the time um, because I was denied technology because it was seen as evil and all that. And I... I began to go on sites like DeviantArt and I I realized I could create and do things. And I began to do things um, more seriously, but I really didn't know how to write. I wanted to write like all the great literature I was reading. And I also read this very clandestine. It was all taboo. It was smuggling. I don't know. It's a bit like smuggling media during the height of the cold war. Everyone's smuggling Mm -hmm. these bootleg VHSs of Madonna, you know? Right. Yeah. And, um, everything was bootleg, everything was smuggled, you know, while I was, you know, living uh, with my father. Um, And I really didn't start to feel liberated and start to take things seriously until 2015, when my father and I um, separated. And it was mostly because he was um, evicted from our residence um, due to his violent behavior, which at first devastated me, because when you're in a toxic, abusive situation, the provider, you be, you become attached to them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, as, as time went on, I realized how wonderful it was to live life on my own and finally live like a normal person, not, you know, you know, confined in, in many ways, which was a very toxic abuse, almost borderline illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody turns a blind eye because it's like, oh, you're, you know, he's just being protective or he's just a good Christian man and, you know, all that other rubbish. And, um, and you know, people, of course, a lot of people in my area liked this, you know, a lot of them are um, wild, crazy, evangelical Protestants. Um, even, even some of the Catholics are starting to act like the Protestants, which has me very alarmed. Mm. Um, and they, they, they're they all, and, and many people even chose to homeschool, which is just a, a terrible isolation. And, and you're reading materials that are shocking. Like it's, it, it's shocking material. I, I wish I'd retained some of it to show how bad it was, but 
Um, but I guess essentially, just to sum it up, I began really writing seriously from 2015. And now currently I am. So it's been a seven to eight full years of a lot of writing, a lot of faux pas, a lot of setbacks, a lot of series that started but then ended. And it's just been a very rich, if rough and tumultuous journey, but it's well worth it. And now I've entered, I entered 2022 with a clear goal. And now I enter 2023 with an even clearer goal and writing just like reading essentially saved my life during that very dark childhood and youth of, of confinement. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. That's fat. I mean, that's a, that's a memoir that <laughs> I hope that maybe down, maybe down the road, you'd consider writing a memoir because it, yeah, that's just, you know, the, those kinds of um, stories, those groups, like, it, it's just like, it, it's amazing when people can, can come out of it with, um, you know, they, in and in some ways yeah it's, it's like the the art saved you like you just yes, said it did, so it did. it's like it's it's amazing and it's like just that internal um need to create even if you're not really exposed to outside things very much like the internal nature of of um creating is just so strong for, um for those of us who who need to do that that it it has to you know it has to come out and thank goodness it did um so okay I did want to talk about like um like online culture and 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 social media and maybe um for some of our younger listeners I think it, it not to be preachy not we just talked about yeah, <laughs> evangelicalism but but like I so I and this just because I got off just for my own I wasn't able to it just was messing with my head so I just got off Twitter I'll probably come back I have the other stuff been a wild ride there. Um, yeah, so I was not going to, and then I was like, I'm just going to get rid of it for a while because it's like I'm I don't have I don't have much interaction on there anyways, and it's just you know I. But the thing the the double edged sword is you do meet so many cool people. I've met like yeah. some amazing people um, on Twitter specifically. So you know we we have you two now, and then um, C E Hoffman. I've met her on, on Twitter. Um, Jonathan Ames was, is one of my favorite writers. He was on Twitter for a minute, but he he's off all social media. Now I met him on there. And so um, there is kind of like, it's, it's a process where to, to, to keep it healthy or advantageous. Like I, I, so I'm a high school teacher and I tell my students, I should take my own advice, but I tell them it's like a, like a garden and you have to, you have to like weed your garden on a fairly regular basis. So it's like you, you have to weed it. You have to um, put in the work um, for the, for the good stuff, but then you also have to be very mindful of what can take over your garden and and, and kill it. (laughs) So that's the illustration (laughs) I tell the, the, the kids um you you guys are fairly active uh, on online social media how and and you and you make some incredible stuff so i'm just i'm very inspired with how you're able to at least from what i see able to like um have a very positive um online presence so maybe just how you do it you know if you don't want to give advice but i'm just very very interested in people who do social media and do it well and to, you know, for me, it, it seems like you two both do it well. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think I'll let Imelda go because honestly, she taught me a lot of how to have structure on social media rather than, you know, 
running randomly. So I think I'll let her go first because she is a mastermind of that. <laughs> Not to throw expectation, but it's true. You are. <laughs> right. So um, I guess before the pandemic, I didn't really use social media to promote anything. It was just, you know, typical personal Instagram account of whatever I did that week. And occasionally one illustration of my character and like, you know, the requisite long paragraph about what that character is doing that only like three people in the audience understand. <laughs> right. So that was how I approached social media before uh, COVID-19. But after it, um, I decided to step up my social media game. So I read some guides about how to do it, how to use, you know, the keywords, how to get structured. And that helped me to become more productive because before I was just doing whatever I wanted to do like, you know, when inspiration hit, I would just write a, write a paragraph or draw a picture. And, you know, after I started, you know, reading more about social media, I was like, maybe I should have a schedule for creating things so I can share it. And, you know, there are algorithms that pick up on certain things when they're posted in certain timeframes. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that more and that helped me along with Tapas to create more frequently and more consistently. And then I joined Twitter afterwards because I found that Instagram didn't give me the the exposure I wanted because the more I stayed on Instagram, the more I realized it's very limited to your bubble because mm -hmm. of the algorithm on there. You don't really get to know new people. It's just the same people, you know, over and over again. Yeah. So I went on Twitter and I started, you know, networking with other people, you know, including C.E. Hoffman and, you know, yourself and a lot of other people I met. And, you know, I found that it was easier to get followers on Twitter, even though I didn't get as many likes because mm -hmm. before I, I just thought likes meant it was more popular. But, mm -hmm. you know, on Twitter, I'm not getting that many likes, but I'm getting more people actually interacting with me and following me. So I started investing more into Twitter and finding out how it worked. And, you know, it was really rewarding. And now I have over, I forgot how many, I think it was over 1,500 or something, something like that, 1,200, something like that. Mm -hmm. Let me check right now. How many followers do I have? Over 1,800 followers. That's awesome. Or Yeah, it is. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are followbacks, but, you know, I... You know, I really like how on Twitter, when you follow someone in a certain community, such as a writing community, mm -hmm. you get referred a bunch of people in the same community. So you get to find a lot of people. And even on the phone, you can just say, follow all. And you follow mm -hmm. 60 people in one day, mm -hmm. which you can't do on Instagram. I love it. Yeah. Maybe I should come back. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, it, I, I think, I think it scared a lot of people what's been happening in Twitter. It's been a wild ride but you know because of, Elon the, musk. Because of yes mr sure. mr musk it sounds like <laughs> <a> muskrat uh, <laughs> sounds like he sounds like a he sounds like tom nook you know that little guy <laughs> in animal crossing you know the guy that steals your money or as my mom said when she one time saw animal crossing she said oh tom nook the crook but um <laughs> um but i i guess you know, we're, 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 we're repeating a century. So it's the 1920s. We're hurtling towards economic depression, um, weird political things that are happening. Fascism is probably on the rise and uh, it, it's the twenties again, baby. <laughs> 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 um, I guess for me, social media, 
it saved my life in a similar way to art. Um, I joined DeviantArt back in 2009 and I wasn't really active per se with my art. It was just mostly bad graphite drawings. Um, but I did talk to a lot of people. I met a lot of wonderful people, but they have since disappeared or we still connect through like Instagram or mm-hmm. whatever have you, but they're not there anymore. But there are some people, they come and go and passing seasons of your life when you needed them. Sure. And I was grateful for that experience. Um, I left DeviantArt back in 2021 um, just because I no longer found it fulfilling. And there were a lot of structures and things I was engaged in that were not conducive to what I really wanted to create. Um, I guess for me, Imelda uh, really helped me uh, with, you know, forming a structured approach to social media using hashtags learning the algorithms, um, my own personal accounts, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty sparse on, I, I'm hoping to get more active. Um, but the other accounts that I do have, uh, for example, like our, our joint project, the unconventional courier, mm-hmm. um, which is a, uh, online literary magazine. Uh, I've been, we've been doing very active hard work on that and we're almost getting near, Right now we have, I believe, 917 followers on Twitter. So we're getting closer to reaching that thousand follower mm-hmm. mark. And we're hoping to get more and more. And we've met some really wonderful creative people, wonderful writers, wonderful poets, um, people that we um, may be collaborating with on further projects. So, you know, the the networking of social media is is just remarkable in the people that it connects you with. And you have to approach it disciplined. And I like your illustration as using it as a garden, weed it out and also tend to certain plants that are going to prosper very well and then get rid of the ones that aren't just going to make it. Sometimes you have to call things out. And that's why I called some of the things, for example, DeviantArt and then um, Tapas. I may or may may not return to Tapas. We'll see. But um, there are just some things that are seasonal and you just, you have to know what season you're in to go into and, and make that work. Yeah. I guess it's like, like ultimately like you want, you're creating something that you love um, and you, you want to make sure that the stuff that you're using to help promote it is, um, you know, beneficial and respectful of, of the art that is being created. And it does, yeah, it does, it does shift over, over time. Like, um, you know, maybe you, like you said, you, you meet people and they kind of disappear and, and maybe that's okay. You know, it's just, it, you can gain and it's all, and it's all like a, a, a process and, you know, we have different things that we want to achieve and they change. Um, and I just like, I, I just love how many projects you have that you, you two have going. So like, yeah, the un, um, unconventional courier, which I didn't really get a chance to look at. Um, and then we have, so that, that is something you both are, are working on together. Maybe you could tell us uh, a, a bit about that. I mean, you just kind of give us an intro to it, but uh, where did that come from? Uh, what kind of writing is, is represented there? Uh, yeah, what made you decide to collaborate on on a project like this? I think it stemmed, so we're both intensely creating, and we just saw that there were some limitations in a lot of the online literary zines, and we wanted something that 
was not limiting. And that's why we call it the unconventional courier. We wanted writing that wasn't really genre limited or, you know, had any kind of intent to it, you know, which, which is fine, you know, but don't reject a work just because there is no intent. I think for me, the, the thing about writing is it should present, you know, humanity and the soul in a very crystal clear form. And you can do that anyway, whereas a historical autobiography, a historical biography type of thing, you can do that through allegorical literary things. But I guess to sum it up, we wanted a publication out there that would welcome all sorts of writers, you know, just presenting the the raw, heavy humanity of stories of people experiencing things. And, and it was just about the human experience and, and human psychology and emotion. And we were looking for that. And it, it really began in July of last year. And, um, you know, it, it just began as kind of a just a random impetuous design on Canva. And then it started taking shape. And then thanks to the very, you know, hard work and, and, the, and the groundbreaking, if you will, of Fortunus Games, it finally took root. And maybe I'll let her take over and explain more of the specifics of the unconventional courier. So um, the zine is an idea to gather the works of different writers and poets who are interested in the human condition. And we created it because we couldn't we, we thought that a lot of the zines online were very restricted to certain topics. So, for example, it's about specifically about American politics or, you know, specifically about one marginalized group. But we did we wanted to expand beyond, you know, just one group or one set of experiences and, you know, just include anyone who wants to write, um, you know, good literature about what it means to be human and, you know, human psychology. So for us, it doesn't really matter what the genre is. It doesn't really matter if it's historical or not historical. We're going to look at it the same way either way. And yeah, another thing that prompted us to create this was something that the third editor of the zine once said, you know, there's a lot of discrimination against historical stories because, you know, she's a historical writer, our friend, our Anne mm -hmm. Ravelet. Um, and, you know, she tried submitting a lot of her historical stories, which take place in medieval Norway to a lot of zines, and she was rejected. Now, she never, like, the, 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 the the reason for rejection was never specifically stated to be because they were historical, but she thinks that it was because it was historical mm -hmm. because when she looks at the stories that were chosen, they all take place in modern times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's like, it, it's, um, well, to me, that's like, that's so much more, it can be so much more interesting because if it's done well, you're learning about, you, you're getting a good story, but then you're learning some you know, some stuff about a culture, a time period that you had no knowledge or very little knowledge of before. Um, th that's so cool. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I, I want to talk briefly or just like make people aware of the podcast, uh, the nuts and bolts of writing, which I've been dipping into and really like. Um, a lot of episodes there too. So that's even, yes. yeah, you've been, you've been plugging away on that too. So um, maybe just tell us briefly about like the genesis of, of that podcast and, um, is it, is it a weekly podcast or, um, or is this kind of or, whenever <laughs> originally, I think it was meant to be weekly, like during the height of the pandemic, when we <laughs> created it in August, 2020, because we all had so much time. Yeah. 
But now that things are getting back to normal, um, I guess it's whenever now. And mm. a lot of the stuff, I mean, right now it's weekly because we recorded a bunch of episodes in the okay. previous weeks. So we just kind of just scheduled them for every week. But they were not all recorded every week. Like sometimes they would be recorded like three in one day or mm -hmm. one night. And then like, you know, two weeks later, we record one episode. So they're just all lined up for, for now. But in the future, I think we will just do whenever. And we will be focusing more on um, getting a different variety of guests because previously even though we have over 200 episodes it's mostly just me <laughs> you and rn ravelay and two other people endless midnight <laughs> noon and red so there's only like five people who are regulars so we want more variety and yeah. not just you know five people talking about their characters all the ping time pong. yeah <laughs> Quartet I, of ping pong. I mean that's cool though i think it, i think it's like especially if you find your audience like they it, it's great to come back to hear the same voices but yeah I, I get what you mean about having you know you know different different people that's that's always good um and the cool thing is you have so many episodes right now that it's like if you do take extended breaks there's a huge like um yeah to, to people can can jump back into um and that's what i'm excited about to kind of go back and and listen to some of those um well, excellent. Any anything else? Uh, we're kind of coming up on our hour here, um, mm -hmm. and I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. I know. I, I think it's uh, you know so many cool projects, uh, which I encourage people to check out. We'll have links for all of those, um, and just kind of meeting, yeah, meeting people of like minds. And I, I love that, you know, two people. So you two, you, you meet over like a shared love of art. And then it is kind of cool because you have like, especially like, you know, going back several years online, I think things just didn't seem as real. Maybe I don't know if they seem real now, but it is cool when you, you meet someone that you connect with and that you end up trusting and then you meet them in, in real life. And it's yes. like, that's amazing. It's like, you know, cause I, I imagine it's probably challenging. Well, no matter where we're at, like Salt Lake city or you know, Ontario, rural Pennsylvania, it's, like, yes. it's tough to find people you can, you can really connect with. Um, so it's cool when, when you can find people like that. So that's, I, I, I love, I love your story. I love um, the, the collaboration and, you know, the kind of bouncing ideas back off each other. And it's like two, two swords sharpening themselves. Yes, um, it is. I love it. I love it. So yeah, anything you, you'd like to add as we, as we kind of finish up today? I'm just going to add something really quick. So as I said, some things are seasonal. People keep coming and going. It's a lot like a garden, but you know, sometimes there are some friendships they're planted solid, like an oak. And there are those oaks that last longer yeah. than the existence of the earth. And I think that's been the huge, wonderful thing about the friendship between me and Fortunus Games. And I, I, you know, a lot of people have come and gone in my life since then, but our friendship has remained a constant and it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a daily backbone to a lot of the great creativity, but also a lot of the personal improvement in my life. And I, I believe it's mutual. And I just wanted to put that out there that that's a very rare and extraordinary thing. And I'm, I'm grateful it happened. Mm -hmm, me I too. That. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, okay. So I, I want to talk about I forgot the the monikers like the names you've cho you've chosen is that something that's private you don't want to share or 
Um, do you want to talk briefly about kind of the the um, the pen names that you that you've chosen to create your art? I'll let Fortunus Games go first. Okay. There's actually no no real like I like reason behind it or explanation. I think I just like the idea because back then I was kind of depressed about my my situation. So I'm like, you know, I want something lucky. So I was thinking of like fortunate. <laughs> sounds kind of lucky. I love it. So like hopefully, you know, my fortunes will change or something. That's how I thought about it. I love that. Love that. And I think at the time you were like making like an interactive thing so games you know kind of like a visual novel yes 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 yeah Yeah, at the time I wasn't sure if I could draw that much so I didn't think about doing a graphic novel so I was thinking of just drawing like a sprite of a character and then you know superimposing expressions onto them when they talk but I couldn't even write like the script for it because I was so unfocused back then so I just did like a couple of sample screens with my basic knowledge of python coding and that's it like i was more focused on learning coding than actually writing the story or the characters <laughs> so that shows you what my my priorities good. were about <laughs> it was still good though I, I i enjoyed it the 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 small the the beginnings of that and i guess i'll just throw out my moniker i started off on deviantart as natasha andre forever that stemmed from my love of russian literature because of tolstoy's war and peace i no longer ship those two anymore so but then i went to classically the punk then i finally came to tete de punk i've always liked the punk movement i've always liked punk music i also i like a variety of music and things like that but i also i went i chose tete because tete is a diminutive of teresa uh, in Spanish, and that's what my mother always called me, and a lot of people, um, Spanish-speaking people, would call me as Tete. And I wanted to connect more um, with my mother's, you know, Latino side, just because of all the weird internalized racism of my my uh, father and all the white Christian evangelicals and everything. Because they say, "Oh, we're not racist," but they are because they mm-hmm. want everybody whitewashed. So I claim that, <laughs> and I can, and I got the punk, and it also stemmed, like I said, I love punk, but I also love Daft Punk. So I thought, "Tete de Punk." It's it sounds very unconventional, uh, very quirky, and I love that name. And honestly, if I could legally change it, I probably would. <laughs> I love it. And even though I messed it up, I feel like it does flow. Okay. Off, it does flow off the tongue. Yeah. Um, tete it's, punk. Yeah. Tete punk. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. I love it. So I, you know, you two are welcome to come back anytime. I think this was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's cool. We have, we have a good, um, good amount of like followers in, um, from our, from the radio station. So that's always cool to like, um, have people, um, knew that would never probably find any of us that um you know yes, there. So, exactly but yeah so <laughs> anytime this is a lot of fun uh i've really enjoyed it and um and we'd love to come back we'd love absolutely. to come yes back. definitely uh, absolutely welcome yeah. to so i um i'll put links to everything that people can can check out and there's a lot of thank great you. stuff there uh thank you too so much for being on the show Thank Thank you you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. It was an honor and pleasure. Thank you.